Hey, welcome back. We are glad you're here. Don't touch that dial. You are in the right place if you're looking for inspiration, motivation, encouragement. Uh, we have it for you here at Last in Line Podcast, where we are teaching guys how to not only charge the mountain and be the tip of the spear in leadership, but also to be the kickstand that props people up and empowers and encourages other leaders to be the best version of the leader within them. We are all leaders. We all have influence. And as it says in Mark 9:35, he who wants to be first will be the last of all and servant of all. That's what Last in Line podcast is about. And I hope you walk away different than when you turned on this podcast. I hope you walk away with the revelation that you were called to lead, that you were called to have influence, and that you were called to serve. And today, I think it's important that I discuss what's been a little bit weighing on me lately uh, regarding balance in our life. And a lot of the times, the context we attach to balance is either like a balanced diet in all the nutritionists and dietitians that are out there and the health craze that we've been in for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Uh, balanced diet we hear a lot of, and then we also hear most frequently probably work-life balance, um, and and that's usually just what it says, right? It's it's how much we spend on our careers, how much we bring home, how it affects our personal life and our families, and the time we invest with those people closest to us. Uh, but so the context today is going to probably encompass more of the work-life balance, but more just balance in general in our relationships, in ourselves, our spirituality, our careers, of course, and and then, you know, with the roles we take on throughout our lives, husbands, fathers, co-workers, leaders, bosses, even if you're in leadership. Uh, So, but I wanted to read a couple stats to you that I found uh, interesting because they're really more around work-life balance, like I just talked about, and these are staggering. And, and I know that we all conceptually know certain things. Theoretically, we have an idea that something is the case, but when you put numbers to it and attach real data to it, it magnifies the impact and magnifies really our perspective of that particular topic. And so, Put this on for size. Try this on, marinate in these stats for a minute. 48% of Americans believe that they are workaholics. So one out of two people that you work with consider themselves workaholics, if we're talking generally speaking, based on this data. Uh, 72% of people say that while looking for a job, work-life balance is something that they consider, right? I mean, I guess we all would love in a perfect world to be able to pick a job based on that and does it allow flexibility for a healthy home life as well as challenging work life, I guess. And uh, so again, the the stats here uh, are off of uh, Apollo technical is the website engineer talent solutions is the website I'm getting these from. So they did a top, I don't know, six or seven list. I'm just going to give a couple to you, but again, 72% 72% say they're looking for work-life balance, right? That's a duh moment. Of course we are. 
77% of Americans who work full-time have experienced burnout at their jobs. So there's varying degrees of burnout. We obviously can agree on that. Uh, whatever burnout to you may not be burnout to me. Um, and, and the triggers for that and the, the cause and effect of burnout, it varies from person to person, of course. But like, you know, aggregately as Americans, and I would say specifically America, because you hear about European workers, they get you know, mid-afternoon naps. They may not come in till later in the day. Maybe they work a little later, but still there's, there's more of a focus on job satisfaction, healthy uh, work-life experience, workplace experience. So they do a lot of midday naps, break, a lot of breaks. So Americans specifically have experienced burnout. So almost eight out of 10 in their jobs. I would, I would agree with that. Like, especially now, like we're all running after the, the same dollars and we're all running after the same status and fame and toys and, and different things that are, you know, obviously spiritually, we know fleeting of this world, they're temporary, but um, yeah, we experience burnout at our jobs, but um, which leaves us no fuel in the tank, really going by that stat to be the husband and father that we need to be at home. Um, and then last one here is, $190 billion. It always means something when you put dollars to it, right? When you, when you attach a, uh, a spend, a dollar amount, $190 billion has been spent to address physical and physiological effects of burnout. Now you could probably bend and twist data to fit a particular narrative. If you want, there's no doubt but $90 billion addressed to physiological, or sorry, psychological. I said that totally wrong. Physical and psychological effects of burnout makes more sense, right? If I could read, I would have said it correctly. Uh, yeah. So obviously physical and psychological uh, effects of burnout is, is a real thing. I mean, it's, so I wanted you to kind of get a grasp of that, kind of give you a foundation of the talk today. And I'm not going to be specific to your workplace. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you need, what resources uh, you've got to create and provide for your family to sustain a particular lifestyle. Like I'm not going to go into telling you how much you should work, how fast you should run at work, uh, what you should have left. But But we are going to talk about investing and being strategic and being intentional about how we invest time and how we, what we focus on, what we place importance on. If we can put a waiting system on things. Yes. We spend, I don't know, 80% of our time at work. Correct. Maybe, I guess if you're working an eight hour day and you're awake, uh, I don't know, 16 hours a day, I guess you're spending half the time at work. Um, and that's a lot. So when you get home, do you have enough? So that other 50% that you're spending time with your family, are you winding down for a couple hours from your job and what it took out of you emotionally, physically, and the stress attached? Or are you bringing that home even still and doing work at home after you're clocked out or bringing home psychological anxiety from the job, which carves in to your time that you should be at home, that 50, other 50% that you're awake should be spent engaged, intentional, um, present, showing up for the people that depend on you that are not your coworkers. So we're going to talk about that. But I want to make some observa observations and ask you a couple questions here rhetorically, of course. But like um, 
as a kid, right, we learn balance. If we're going to talk figuratively about balance, we're going to, we, we all learn to walk at about one year old, maybe a little older than that. Some are more advanced, I guess, than others, but you can't really teach a baby balance. Like they have to feel that it has to be innate. It's an innate skill. I believe like if I'm water skiing, someone can teach me the mechanics of how to stand, but they can't physically be with me and help me learn the balance it takes to water ski. I've never water skied more than once. I think in my life didn't do really well at it. Not a big water sports fan. I'm more of a, please leave me alone. I'm fishing. Be quiet. Take your jet skis over there type of guy on the water, but jet, you know, water skiing requires balance, of course. Um, and, and it's hard to teach that you got to feel it. It's innate within us. Like we're going to have to fall a bunch to create the right balance to be able to stand and function in water sports or whatever you're talking about. But kids, babies learn balance, but they fall a lot before they do. Um, so in a literal sense, of course, it's an innate skill and it's hard to teach it. But when we're talking figuratively balancing our life, our relationships, our roles, our hats that we wear throughout the day, if we're balancing those figuratively, like that's that can be taught. Or else, why am I speaking to you today if we can't learn some things about it and take some tips and keys and pointers from people who maybe know a little more than others, you can take something and implement it and apply it and it will work. So figuratively balance is teachable. Um, but I, I mean, what causes the imbalance in our lives? I think you could fill in pretty much a blank of, of all the buzzwords, all the things, distractions, um, you know, I guess uh, money would be considered a distraction, I guess, but that the imbalance that that is caused is there's, there's too much emphasis in one area or another. There's a top heaviness to your schedule, to your mental uh, capacity, uh, physical capacity, your time investments. There's a lopsidedness. There's an emphasis placed too much over here, which causes an, an imbalance over here. So if you're too much, emphasizing your time investments over here, then it's going to create an imbalance in other areas. That's pretty intuitive. I mean, I'm not really re recreating the wheel with that one, but just to give you an idea, a foundation of, are you neglecting other areas and are you emphasizing your attention in a particular one? Are you one dimensional? That's another thing. Like if we're not multifunctional, multidimensional people, if we can't, split and compartmentalize and segment our time, then we're just one track minded. We're only pouring in our whole heart to this one thing. And that kind of gives us a lopsided balance and imbalance, if you will. Um, but today I'm going to talk about three key elements of optimal balance. And before I do that, and I'm going to call this balance quest. So I think we're all on a quest to create this perfect optimal balance in our life. I, I mean, I must've listened to, I don't know, five or 10 podcasts this week. And I bet three to five of those. So what 30 to 50% of those there, the word balance was used. We're, we're talking about it a lot because it's a, a topic that people either are trying to search for 
the perfect secret sauce and recipe of balance in their life, or we're just really bad at balance and, or it's a both and, or, and we're just like totally off kilter in certain areas. Maybe we make a lot of money, but we don't have a great relationship with our kids or flip that. Maybe it's the other way around. We spend a lot of time with our kids. Maybe we could spend a little more time working and making a little more money. Um, we pour all our time in our spouse and we have very little friends and vice versa. You, you go to the hunting or the shooting range and fishing with your buddies, but you haven't taken your wife on a date night in six months. So it, it goes both ways. You could flip the script on either of those scenarios, but look, we're all chasing it. We're all looking for that perfect recipe and there may not be a perfect recipe, but I think if you've ever seen the, the, the guy balancing the plates, right. In the, uh, and jugglers, you know, you got too many balls in the air is what, you know, the expression is whenever people have got a lot of irons in the fire and we're struggling for this balance and we're, plates in the air, balls in the air. And we're, we're just trying to keep everything afloat. And so I'd like to tell you about three elements of optimal balance that I consider optimal balance and, and the key ingredients for that. But before I do that, like how do we establish and regain and maintain the balance is a, is a question that I think we're probably going to address at the end, because I want to give you some practical takeaways that you can apply today that look, it doesn't do me any good to tell you it's raining if I don't give you a way to figure out this umbrella solution, right? Like if I don't give you the umbrella and all I'm doing is talking about the weather, I'm doing you no good. I'm bringing no value. So we'll talk about how to establish and regain and maintain balance. Okay. If you've lost it, we're going to regain it. If you're searching for it, we're going to create some and give you an idea how to identify it and establish it. And, and then once you figure all that out, we're going to figure out how to just kind of keep it steady and maintain it. So uh, the essential components, I think, um, of a solid, stable balance. And I don't have everything figured out. Trust me, I, I don't have it all. I mean, there were times in my life where I struggled um, mightily at doing that. Um, There's time where I was back and forth. I'd do it really well for a little while, and then I'd feel top heaviness, right? And that lopsidedness in my, in my spirit, in my life, in my emotions, um, psychological framework would get twisted all and up, turned upside down. But, you know, I think now as you get older, of course, and you learn lessons and you have experiences and you draw from other people that you respect and, and you gain this wisdom and discernment, I think you're uh, opening the door for you to say no to things and yes to things in the right way and, and create that list of priorities that matter. And then there's this kind of a sweet spot, right? This homeostasis, I guess, in, in your spirit and this steady state uh, of time that you're investing and you feel a little bit more balanced. And that comes with time. That comes with age. I see some young people have it done. Real, they do it really well. Um, but me, I'm a late bloomer. Had to learn probably the hard way a lot. And started seeing the bigger picture and started figuring some things out. So hopefully I can translate that to you and pass the torch and, and then you can do the same for somebody else. So first one, if we're talking about three key elements for optimal balance, and I'm going to have a little bit of my coffee real quick. So forgive me if you're not watching this, uh, you know me, I'm going to have a cup of coffee every time, not just a couple times, every time. Hope you're enjoying a nice cup of Joe as well. 
Um, shout out to my man, uh, Randy LaVere at Armored Nation Coffee. Shout out to the people that make community coffee because I'm a big fan. Shout out to Gridiron Coffee, uh, my guy out there in Georgia. Uh, and uh, so anyway, thought I'd have a little coffee promo PSA. Anyway, first one's footing, what I call footing. I'm going to give you three Fs. Of course I am. Of course I'm going to go three Fs. F's, three words that start with the same letter. Shocker. Uh, no, so footing, you're going to figure this out. Footing is key. In balance, in a figuratively and in a literal, literally sen- literal sense, footing is, is how you really establish balance. It, and what kind of footing you have is going to determine whether you maintain it or not. Um, so your footing in who you are is going to create balance. Balancing your identity, not getting so wrapped up in your business card and the, the title under your name on that thing, your uh, bank account, like all of those are important, but not getting so wrapped up that you put all of your identity into this job or into this financial uh, status, this class that you're in. And, you know, Identity is a big thing, and if we understand who we are, uh, obviously, spiritually in Christ, that determines a lot. There's a lot that follow that if you can get grounded in the footing of your spiritual identity first. But we got a lot of people that are out there plugging all of their efforts into this career, right? And and a lot needs to be poured into that. I get it. You're trying to maintain. You're trying to establish yourself, trying to get some traction financially in your life so you can provide some of the things that you want a lifestyle for your family love it nothing wrong with it did it am doing it now but i'm not wrapped up my identity is not wrapped up in that it's not who i am it's just what i do but yeah i want to make as much money as the next guy but i think when we when we get off balance in our identity and it becomes all about money all about career then obviously something's going to be void. There's going to be a vacancy somewhere, right? If, if uh, this is a weird, stupid analogy, but if all the hotels are, are booked except for one, like if, if all the people go to three or four of the hotels and there's only five in the, in the town, there's obviously one hotel that's going to have more vacancies because it's more off. I mean, the balance isn't there. It's all top heavy to these, three or four hotels, and then this one is going to have vacancies, right? Dumb, terrible example. I don't know why I even thought of that, I guess, because I was thinking about booking hotels for my daughter's volleyball travel that we have coming up, and I don't know, that just came to me from way outer space. But literally, like, if you're pouring all of your resources into this one thing, then obviously there's a vacancy somewhere else. Unless you're superhuman, your bandwidth is only what it is to a certain degree. And so I'm plugging in 90% to my job. You know, the 10% I have left isn't enough to cover the other people in my life that depend on me, my kids, my wife, my friends, my church, you know, uh, my community. Like there's not enough of me to go around. So we got to balance that out. Um, You know, there's got to be some, in this footing component, there's got to be some elements that are non-negotiable about you. Like there's got to be back to that part about saying no to stuff. There's got to be areas where 
you just flat out refuse to be spread thin because you're going to say no to some things. You're not going to pursue some things that might take up a bunch of your capacity and pull from this other area that you don't want to pull from. You know, you got to rob Peter to pay Paul in certain situations when your time is limited. When you've got limited resources like time, energy, you know, emotional bandwidth that we just talked about. So you've got to be choosy. You've got to be strategic in what you choose to pour into. And there's, like I said, it, guys are compartmentalizers, and that's fine. That's good um, whenever we're talking about balance. Because if we compartmentalize equally, somewhat equally, then we've got this balanced plate, right? This balanced pie, this pie chart of 30, 30, and 30, like we're balanced, okay? So let's let's try to figure out where our, our identity, our true identity is, what really matters as far as staying power of identity, what is going to last us long time, where are we going to invest? Well, our family and our kids and our wife, those relationships, other relationships, you know, we're, we're going to, we're digging, we're going to, those are going to be what is with us long-term jobs come and go money comes and goes. So the non-negotiables have got to be your spiritual footing first. Who are you in Christ? That's your identity. And, and you need to check yourself because I bet you would look back at some point in your life, or maybe you're there now where you feel like you've placed a lot of your value as a person in your job title, in your role at work, in the people you lead at work. Those are all important, but that has consumed you to a point of that's who you are. That's your identity. And I think we need to separate and take a step back and take a real good look at that because it can get ugly at, at times. If you're poor, it can, it can pull away from the other people that probably matter more in life. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the the second or the second thing on this is if we've got footing, so we've we talked about foundation, we talked about footing, that kind of things. So the second one's gonna be focus. Um so footing then focus. And, and we were we went on a cruise a couple weeks ago and you know, it was awesome, of course. So much food, good food, so many cool places that we stopped. And you got to plan excursions if you want to go do things when you go to port. You know, you stop at wherever, Cozumel, Belize, those things. But, you know, they offer to you these extra activities you can do when you get there. You got four or five hours there. So, but those are expensive, right? So you're, we're looking at things to do, possibilities of, and paddle boarding was one of those. And we kind of looked at it and we were like, what, what is that about? Well, the, the tutorials, if you look on YouTube and they teach you how to get up on this paddleboard, like the point is to, once you get up to look ahead, not to look down at the water, not to look at your paddle or your feet or whatever you're doing, but just to look straight ahead at the landscape, at the horizon, because that creates more balance to what we're talking about today. Um, because if you watch, there's plenty of footage of people that can't get up on this thing. They get on there on their belly. They try to stand up, they fall. So apparently this is rocket science to paddleboard. Not really. I didn't try it, but it looks, I mean, you have the bare minimum athleticism. You should be able to get up on a paddleboard. I say that. It's easy to say because I didn't try it. But no, I've seen people that look a lot less athletic than people that I know or that than myself, and they did it. So, but the key is to get up, look straight ahead, stand up straight, you know, 
don't hunch, don't lean, don't look down. So balance. Those are pretty simple ways, right, to look forward. So that's why focus to me is important here. It's what you're focused on can create that imbalance. If you're so tunnel vision, laser focused over here on one thing and you're so, you know, one dimensional and you've got no peripheral, you've got no ability to segment and to compartmentalize your focus, then you will get top heavy and you will lose balance in your life. So you're, I mean, that could be in relationships. Like if you've got, you know, a kid or you yourself are in a, a relationship, maybe you're not married, maybe you're in a <clears throat> dating your scenario or you're searching, you know, if you've got a kid who's maybe just in a new relationship and they're trying to feel this thing out, whether or not this person's right for them. And man, they can get so tunnel vision and so one dimensional hundred percent in the direction of this person, this other person that some of the other areas of their life can be, I don't know, they can fall victim to neglect. Um, they're compromising maybe some focus in these other areas that are important that they've lost sight of because they're so one dimensional 90% into this new relationship. Uh, so I think obviously if you're focused to that degree on one thing, then something else is going to suffer. And I think you guys already know this, but while, you know, those things are important, we got to understand that the mission matters. What is your main mission? Like your sole mission in life is not that particular relationship in that moment. Your sole mission in life is not 100% in that job and that team you're building and that paycheck that you're trying, that promotion you're trying to get. It's not one thing, right? It's multiple things that need focus and need your shared time, your share, you need to share capacity with those things. Um, you know, the, the mission still matters and our mission as believers, as Christians, as Christ followers, our mission is to reflect Christ in everyday life. Our mission is to create and maintain and really uh, exemplify this moral standard that we live by to exhibit love whenever nobody else will, or it doesn't feel like we should, you know, and I struggle with that, but those are areas that our mission should revolve around. So the mission still matters and we've got to keep it at the center. Like the missions in the crosshairs, like that's where we don't waver from there. That's in our line of sight and never moves. And so the mission matters and, and we've got to be forward facing on, on our focus. It, it, again, the paddleboarding example, you don't necessarily, if a paddleboarder is going and they see some cool wildlife, maybe down in the water or up on the surface and they paddle past them, they're not looking back at that piece of marine life, uh, you know, that's behind them. Once they pass it, it's done. Like they saw it, they're moving on. It's detrimental if they continue to focus on that behind them. And, and the same is true in life, in our jobs, in our relationships, in whatever mistakes we made our past, like that forward facing creates this ability to, to keep the mission, the main thing, but it, it helps us 
not carry that around, whatever that was we just passed, even if it was good, not to soak in maybe some of those those wins. Like we can definitely remember those and, and enjoy those, but you don't stay there. You know, we've got a lot of those glory day gladiators who were high school studs and they're still, you know, they're 40 still talking about the the yearbook pictures and the the highlight reels of the state playoffs and you know whatever but so we got forward facing is how we really create more focus that actually allows us to maintain this balance and create a balance because when we start worrying about our peripherals and we start worrying about hindsight we start losing focus and we start getting a little wobbly the balance starts to suffer and so the last one here is fellowship. And I, I, I have this separate from relationships. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about relationship. But fellowship to me here, when we're talking about elements of balance, we've got to get those guys around us that can keep kind of the bar steady. If you're a weight trainer, you know what a spot is. You know you got to get a guy around you to spot you if you got a weight limit of what you can push or pull mostly push in a spot scenario or if you're squatting you got to have maybe you have a person on each side because you can get a little wobbly if the weight is excessive and you're not equipped yet the capacity again if your capacity is overloaded you need somebody to stand and kind of help steady the ship and sturdy that weight so that's what fellowship is here these relationships are vital because Obviously, they're going to be able to see areas you might be tipping, you know, might be topsy-turvy a little bit. They can see the blind spots. Um, they can create this accountability structure where they prop you up on areas you might be low. I mean, if you've seen the new movie Top Gun, you know, when you're coming in to land that plane, actually it was the first movie, the first very opening scene when cougar one of the guys that ends up quitting because it get, he gets rattled he's trying to land and he's coming in wobbly and they're saying you're too low cougar you're too low on this side pull up on this side right so they've got somebody that sees that he wasn't necessarily feeling it or cognitively able to make adjustments so someone else had to help him and kind of jar him along and move him along and tell him he's too low on one side and create that balance and i think that's what we're here and the fellowship element here is Identify people that you can that you can trust to see your blind spots, that you can give a permission to speak to you about how to correct some of the, the areas where you might be top heavy. But we got to have other people involved. It can't just be about you always thinking you can figure out this balance thing. Because then you look up and wonder how you got here and you think, wow, if I'd have known back there that I was too focused talked about tunnel vision i got blinders on i'm so focused i can't see that it's affecting this other area or that i'm compromising or sacrificing this because i'm so focused on this but you need somebody that can help you identify that and ultimately you know balance here in the fellowship part is you know it it allows us to if we've done it right we, we take the, our eyes off of ourself a little bit and we give somebody else kind of a, a hall pass to speak into our life and help us. But we also, we don't want to create an echo chamber that we've got enough people around us that are just going to continue to let us go with the current of whatever thing we're doing that's sacrificing this other thing. So if I'm 
hundred percent going in one direction at work, even maybe in nutrition and fitness. I'm con- maybe I'm consumed with my body and fitness and weight training and health, and I'm eating perfectly. And I'm, but I'm neglecting all this other. I mean, I'm so focused on that that I can't I can't see the forest for the trees, right? I can't tell that I'm creating stress with for my family because they have to figure out food to eat. Cause I've got my own little compartment of food and I've got my own little structure, you know, or you just don't want to be in an echo chamber of the people that are going to allow you to kind of do that and go that direction. Um, and, and ultimately be off balance. So surround yourself with the people that'll be honest, that won't always agree with you. You don't need a bunch of yes men around you. You need some honest men around you and some people that you trust who actually might be doing it right in their life. Like you probably don't want to pick the train wreck that doesn't know how to have any balance in their life and they're burnt out at work and their relationships on the rocks because they're 90% at work, 10% at home. And they don't know that their kid just, you know, aced a math test because, you know, they don't have, haven't asked about their kid's schoolwork in two weeks. So it's, you can't, you need somebody to tell you, Hey, wake up. You know, you need somebody to pat you on the slap you a little bit, slap you around and be like, Hey, eyes forward, face forward. Remember we talked about the focus thing, eyes forward. You're too heavily invested in this one thing. So I guess the the takeaway to this message has got to be, look, Segment and compartmentalize and, and, and make sure that you've got this, uh, the division of your capacity, your, your bandwidth is, is equally distributed. No, you, you obviously you're not going to pour exactly the same amount of yourself into these three or four categories, but let's make it a little more balanced. Let's not make it so top heavy over here. And so light over here. Remember the more you put into something over here, the more vacancy there is in this other place that matters. So I think it's important to identify the categories of your life that deserve your attention. Then I think it's important to prioritize those weight those create a good identity spiritually before you do anything, but then start to visually understand where you're spending your time, understand what's worthy of your time, understand what to say no to, right? Um, Face forward, focus on what needs to be focused on. There are times, yes, where you've got to create more attention in this one direction, but that, that goes back to, you get back to, after you've invested that time, you get back to, to middle, you get back to square one and you get back to stable and you get back to balanced. And so we bring it back to center, bring it back to middle. Uh, the, the construction guys would say plumb line. Um, but so remember that the mission matters. Remember that facing forward is the, is the way to go. Yeah. You can see things around you take notice. You can, you can remember the wins, but still looking forward, not, not resting and dwelling in those spots. So, Hey, I hope you're more balanced. I hope this gave you sort of an idea at the very least to be aware of what does your balance look like? Get a visual, write it down, understand the places that deserve most of your time, and then understand who you need to get around you to help you see when you're getting a little off balance, but create the the balance, maintain the balance, keep, stay consistent. Right. And then, um, once you've established that balance, you'll start to refine those processes and understand how you get back to square one every time when you start to feel that tilt a little. So I hope that was good for you. Hey, send us an email. 
lastinlineleadership at gmail.com. Give us a shout on Instagram, uh, last underscore in underscore line underscore uh, leadership. And hey, uh, when you send us an email, of course, we can uh, send you a free copy of our book, uh, The Journal, 52 Weeks with Scripture and areas for you to get a visual of this balance. There's actually a balance triangle page in each week that you can plot where you spent your time. It helps in this area. I'm not saying you have to get that, but that's another tool. Uh, so yeah, reach out to us, give us a rating and review, share this episode, share the podcast, get more people on board in the last in line family with that. Be blessed. Make your escape.